Hello, and welcome to the ATNWB podcast. I am your host, Chris Taylor, and this is my co-host, Alex Wilson. And welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. And this episode will be devoted to how Pokemon is a Warner Brothers property. There's a lot of evidence for it. I'm going to go over it as a as a detective today, and we will go from Pokemon being on the Kids WB, and we'll go all the way to Detective Pikachu being released by Warner Brothers Pictures, which I think are good bookends for this episode. We're both big Pokemon fans, Alex and I. I think, see, my favorite franchise for Nintendo specifically, or video game franchise, is Donkey Kong, and Diddy Kong, and Dixie Kong, and Banjo-Kazooie, and Conker from Conker's Bad Fur Day. So when I say I really appreciate Pokemon, I have this weird obsession with it because I think it's part, you know, it's part of that late nineties of my childhood. It was like just there and it was this huge thing for Nintendo. So I always supported it because I know if I support, if I support Pokemon for Nintendo, then the other things that I love that Nintendo has will also be given the things that Pokemon gets to a degree, you know, maybe we'll get a Donkey Kong Country movie one day. I don't know. But hopefully if Detective Pikachu does well, then we'll get a Donkey Kong Country movie. That would be amazing. That would be pretty incredible. Yeah. My backstory is similar. I mean, I grew up with Super Nintendo and Game Boy were like my first two consoles and then handheld consoles, respectively. I was, I think I was drawn to Pokemon because of the open world concept of it, and I hadn't really seen much like it. I mean, I loved Mario and just this idea of this journey from world to world, but Pokemon really. It's super epic, right? It's super epic. It's very Joseph Campbell, the idea of Pokemon going from your hometown to becoming a Pokemon master. To me, yeah, as you're saying, it captures the reason why I love Star Wars. That same yeah. thing. Or the reason why I you really, you're a huge Lord of the Rings guy. You're a huge exactly. ringer. Exactly. Right? Yes. And a big fan, I mean, just this idea of how customizable the journey was for Pokemon and how you could have all sorts of different playthroughs. I mean, as a as a fan of kind of this giant world building and building a mythos around something, that's what really drew me to Pokemon. Yeah, the idea of having to catch all of the Pokemon and then being able to just choose your team and like, no, this is me, it really sets you apart from everyone else who's also playing the game, which I think is really cool. Like, you really do create your own adventure in playing it. I remember when Pokemon Go came out, I saw... uh, I was playing it like on my phone and I saw a guy walking and he was playing a yellow Game Boy with the special Pikachu edition of the original Pokemon game in it. And so he must have been playing Pokemon Go and he was like, you know what? I'm just going to play the original when I walk around instead. (laughs) (laughs) Catch what I want when I want it. Yeah. As a kid, I was subscribed to Nintendo Power. Did you did you have a Nintendo Power subscription or read it I, at all? I wasn't. No, I, I missed out on that. Well, it was a really great magazine. I think it's also a podcast right now, but there's there's only a finite amount of issues. But I was very obsessed with you know getting that each month. I also got Disney Adventure Magazine and when I was younger, Nickelodeon magazine. <laughs> I did, yeah. I got Nickelodeon magazine when I was younger, and I, I vaguely remember Disney Adventure, but I don't know if I was subscribed to it. There, uh, but, yeah. there is one issue of Disney Adventure where they have a Donkey Kong Country comic in it, which is really amazing. And I've since found it online because I used to collect all the issues. I've definitely since thrown them out. Unfortunately, I really should have just held on to them. But you can find a lot of it digitally. And I found those like four pages digitally. So I have it saved. So I have that comic saved. I would still say out of being like a Sony kid, I guess a Microsoft kid, they'd say now, but that's not that doesn't account or a Sega kid or a Nintendo <laughs> kid. I was definitely a Nintendo kid, like I was more into rare and rareware games. But I was definitely a Nintendo kid. Yeah. I, I started with the NES. I had an SNES. Although at my dad's, I had a Genesis, which was very interesting. Oh, nice. And then I finally upgraded to the Nintendo 64, which was my favorite system and still is to this day. I think what the foundation that Nintendo laid down in the N64, like Smash Brothers and Mario Party and the, just the 3D worlds that they built within the N64 are so relevant today and really is what a lot of Nintendo 
is built on. Unfortunately, Rare isn't part of that anymore. It's over at Microsoft, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Game Boy, of course, was a huge part of my life. And, Same, yeah. Uh, I and, think Game Boy was the first system I had. And then I think Super Nintendo was next. Then maybe Game Boy Color. And then I jumped straight. I mean, I waited until I think I was a... It was the PlayStation 2, like, about freshman year of high school. So I kind of had a big gap oh, wow. in yeah. gaming. So that's what led me to, like, Final Fantasy ten, and then kind of going back through that catalog of games. But Pokemon is definitely what got me started on kind of these RPGs and these world-building type adventures. Nice. And you can kind of go back to Final Fantasy, maybe one, like the, the Japanese numbering. And you can yeah. see, oh, this is where Pokemon originated from to a degree like the mm-hmm. like the overworld map system is kind of the same thing in a way it's very yeah and then and then you know it's turn-based rpg fighting turn-based rpg fighting with having to choose from 151 different pokemon was such a brilliant and simplistic idea it was just so great and the likability of the characters i mean that's what separates it from final fantasy and that, and that's something nintendo does super well is that they really understand that not only do you have to have interesting and unique gameplay but those characters also have to have something likable about them that makes them unique and makes them worth playing over and over again. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And especially because you're putting your personality into the main character, even though you have Ash on the show, the anime, yeah. which is, you know, him and Brock and, and Misty have do have their own personalities on the show. But specifically, like, you get the personalities out of the Pokemon. And again, choosing your Pokemon really develops your personality in the games. But one day with my Nintendo Power subscription, I got a tape in the mail, a VHS tape that said that Pokemon, the Japanese hit, is about to take America by storm. And my friend David Lynch and I, yes, my childhood friend growing up was named David Lynch. He still is named David Lynch. (laughs) (laughs) And we laughed and we said that the anime would never be big here. Like Pokemon would never be a hit here. Like this is like a ridiculous thing. This was like 1997. So we weren't exposed to anime like we are now. So like anime to us was even like this new foreign, literal foreign concept of like, well, they don't move that much. So we like a lot of movement like Looney Tunes in in our cartoons so I don't know if anyone's going to go for Pokemon at all. As we're, yeah. we're specifically focused on the anime, for that's what the tape focused on a lot. And later on, when we were in David's pool, we were pretending to be Pikachu in the pool already. So with, <laughs> within like within like a half hour, we were like, "This will never take off," and then we're like, "Pikachu in the pool is <laughs> silly." So the games Red and Blue were released in America on September 28th, 1998. And that was very late for an original Game Boy game. So as you know, it came out on original Game Boy. The original Game Boy came out 10 years prior to that. The system's 10 years old, and then boom, you have Pokemon, this huge franchise on it. And in a way, it's always been there for Nintendo because it's from the original Game Boy, but it wasn't in America until 1998. Wow, that in my mind, I was I was just trying to remember when I got it, and I was just guessing ninety five or ninety six. But that's crazy right? that it was so late. But I, I guess that because I remember having the original Red, and then soon after when Game Boy Color came out, I bought it again for the color version, obviously. And I guess that wasn't like that far after. I mean, I guess it was pretty close. Yeah, I believe Game Boy Color was already out in 1998, but they just, you know, they still they were making it for that original system and it still came out for that original system. They weren't going to retool it for the new system at all, which was okay. at the end of the day a great idea because yeah. you know, it's it seems like it's always been there. Yeah, to me I feel I have a time shift as well where I feel like Pokémon happened like 2 or 3 years earlier. Than it actually did. Just based off of like what towns I lived in, and I was trying to think like when I was into Pokemon. Yeah, I, again, I got into it just a little bit before everyone else did due to that VHS tape. Yeah. Um, now I really only a fan of that first generation, that red and blue generation of Pokemon. Like those, that's the generation I really understand and could name all of. I can probably do the Pokemon rap from the show <laughs> of all of them. Yeah, I remember playing Silver and Gold, but I, I just I don't remember 
I think I remember the legendary birds, uh, especially since Lugia made such a big appearance in some of the movies. But um, yeah, but, and yeah, then Ho 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 O is in yeah. the pilot, actually. Oh yeah, it fly it flies at the end of the at the end, right? Yeah, I used to think it was Moltres, but no, it's Ho O. Yeah, and I'm also aware of how the sequel generations, the other generations fit into generation one so like the evolutions or the baby pokemon or i just learned about mega evolutions and holy shit is mega diglet or mega dugtrio frightening i've never oh, thought I, seen that yet. I would see what they look like underneath the ground and maybe i never wanted to <laughs> uh, <laughs> i have to look that up right now yeah definitely do so that's all nintendo that we still haven't even gotten to warner brothers yet because Warner Brothers really starts with the TV series. So on September 7th, 1998, America got a sneak preview of the Pokemon anime with Battle Aboard the St. Anne. The anime then premiered the next day in America on September 8th, 1998 into syndication. Do you remember when you first started watching the show at all? Probably when it was in syndication because I didn't have the VHS of it. Uh, but I guess it must have been... Yeah, the VHS uh, was just a tease. It was just like little yeah. snippets. You saw it Jesse been... and James, and then I thought they were both women at the time. I remember. <laughs> yeah, it must have been about 2000, maybe. Okay. Maybe 99, I'm not sure. Yeah, as I said, it premiered into syndication on September 8th, 1998. The last episode to air in syndication before the Kids WB takeover was March of the Executor Squad on October 30th, 1998. I remember watching Pokemon on Kids WB. My Kids WB was on WB11, aka WPIX. What was your WB network? Do you remember? I think ours was just called like Kids 4. Really? Um, yeah, it was. I mean, I remember Kids WB is like the big brand for it, but I think the local station was like called Kids 4. So it was Channel 4. Yes. I Do you remember so. the call letters for it? Like, no. Mine was WPIX. Uh, maybe it was KUATV. No, not KUATV. Because uh, they're probably still pretty similar, and I can't yeah. think of what it would have been. They're on. probably the, the CW affiliate over there now. Yeah. Probably more than likely. Maybe like KUAX? I'm not sure. Hmm. So I put you on the spot there. <laughs> it's just that I remember watching the original series, like the original episodes, not in syndication, but on Kids WB. So I was trying to put, I was trying to put the pieces together and see, because WPIX is Channel Eleven in the New York, New Jersey area, and it's still it's the CW today, WPIX. Uh, uh, I I went onto YouTube and someone taped commercials on the WB Eleven during Pokemon. And the tape claimed that it was from August 1998, or the taping on YouTube claimed that it was from August 1998. And there's proof that it was indeed WPIX and Kids WB because they have a commercial for, instead of dirty dancing, it was nerdy dancing. And it was a collection of characters like Carlton from the Fresh Prince dancing. And it was for Kids WB's Fresh Prince syndication block. So I knew this was indeed from 1998 as well, because a Burger King Kids Club commercial shows off the toys as being from Action League Now, Alan Strange, and the Wild Thornberries, all Nicktoons, all Nickelodeon shows. But the Action League Now wiki, yes, there's an Action League Now wiki, <laughs> marks 1998 as the release for these toys. So Pokemon was on the Kids WB or at the very least, WPIX, WB11 in the New York, New Jersey area in August 1998, well before it, the game came out and before the internet claims Kids WB had the rights to air it. Yeah, I must have seen it on Kids WB because I, I definitely remember that logo, and so it must have been around 98. I don't know, those, those two or three years are fuzzy, I guess, and trying to figure out when I watched it, but I guess it must have been right before I got the game, or maybe maybe like right when I got the game is when I started tuning in. Yeah, there's um, no definitive proof for where these syndicated episodes aired, and I was trying to find out when Kids WB first aired the first episode, and I was having trouble doing that, too. Like, this says when the 
44th episode, which was the newest episode that Kids WB aired, that hadn't aired in America. So it was the first unaired episode that Kids WB aired in America was like the 44th episode. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I can't find that information, but it's probably just because it was in syndication. So it just aired in my area at a time, it aired in your area of the, of the country at a different time, you know? Yeah. And being in Arkansas, we probably inevitably got it later than everybody else. Yeah. So yeah, the, the new episode that premiered on the Kids WB was The Problem with Paris, and that was on February 13th, 1999. That's when new first-run episodes started airing on Kids WB. The shows that were on Kids WB at the time were things like Animaniacs and Tiny Toons, The Batman Superman Adventures, Men in Black, different versions of the Looney Tunes, Batman Beyond, The Jackie Chan Adventures, X-Men Evolution, and Pokemon. It was really crazy, all of those things mixed together. Because yeah. just Men in Black and X-Men Evolution are definitely not WB-branded material whatsoever. So mm-hmm. it's weird that X-Men Evolution characters would cross over with Batman Superman characters. I believe in the interstitials, you know, the bumpers and the commercial breaks for the kids' WB. But this was basically, for me, heaven as a Saturday morning kids' cartoon block. Yeah, I think the only one I d- at least didn't watch any of I didn't watch any of the Men in Black, and I watched a little bit of X-Men Evolution, but not not as much as Pokemon and some of the others. Um, I watched that more than the other X-Men show, but I remember the other X-Men show more for some reason. Like the Fox X-Men animated yeah. series. Yeah. Well, do you remember... I think, the, oh, I think the Fox one, the Fox uh, X-Men one, I think, delved a little bit more into the comics, so maybe that's why I watched that one more than Evolution. Yeah, I feel X-Men like maybe they watered down Evolution a little bit. Definitely. Evolution had Spike, who was like a spiky guy character. Uh, and yeah. I just remember him. I think he was original from that show, unless he does come from the comics somewhere. I just remember um, he was one of the main characters. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember him from the comics, and I think that... I think just that character turned me off of that show. <laughs> yeah. And then there is a spiky guy in X3, X-Men United, the movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and he's lame, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. But do you remember those interstitials? Because one of the fun things the Kids WB did was create an overarching hub world for their commercials. And what I mean is every commercial bumper promoting a Kids WB show would take place on the Warner lot. And each part of the Warner lot largely represented each show. So while the Animaniacs were hanging out in the Water Tower, the Pokemon were hanging out in a Pokemon Stadium built on the Warner lot just behind the Water Tower. And then you would see these characters interact with each other, Bugs Bunny and Pikachu being best friends. I, I mean, I definitely remember the Water Tower. I do not remember Pokemon Stadium, though. Yeah, they had it right behind it, and it would open up, and then the Kids WB logo would pop out of it a lot of times. Yeah, that, that sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. And in these crossover promos, the WB took existing footage from the cartoons and spliced them together on the lot. So while the animation was recycled, they actually got the original voice actors back and would have redubbed the animation. And then you could have Ash hanging out with an animated Jackie Chan or Sylvester the cat singing the Pokemon theme, which actually happened. That's cool. Yeah. And they would even cross over with the live action WB Network primetime shows, such as Ash from Pokemon interacting with characters from Seventh Heaven with one of the Seven Heavens in Seven Heaven. Fun fact Ash Ketchum talked to the fourth heaven. No, I don't know. <laughs> but not the third. No, no. Well, the third is in jail right now. We won't talk yeah. about that. <laughs> or even in sync rapping, not singing, but rapping the Pokemon rap. Articudo Jinx, Nina Rita Beedrill started the part of the Pokemon rap. I saw them singing in a clip I watched a couple days ago. I do remember that because that was pretty shocking to hear them doing the Pokemon rap as a kid, but uh, I definitely remember that part. Yeah. Do you remember Lou Bega singing Mambo Number no. 5? But he I sings so. about different yeah. Pokemon, I think. Yeah, that's hard to forget, too. Yeah. But... Or he's, I think he's just singing about different WB shows. A little yeah. bit of Pikachu in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that definitely happened. 
Well, in 2006, Kids WB dropped all non-Warner properties from the lineup, ironically enough, moving Pokemon to Warner's other channel, Cartoon Network. So they said, you know, we're no longer going to have, obviously, something like X-Men Evolution on the Kids WB because it's not a Warner Brothers brand, which Mm. makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, it does. But Pokemon... They moved it from Kids WB to Cartoon Network. I wonder if it was to fulfill the contract or if they were thinking, no, Pokemon's more of a Cartoon Network brand. You know? Yeah. I'm not sure. Now, uh, surprisingly, Pokemon airs currently on Disney XD, a channel for boys, same channel that airs the Star Wars cartoons, Rebels, and Resistance. And did you know this? Real quick. Star Wars Resistance and Star Wars Rebels, but Star Wars Resistance is on right now, is wonderful and amazing and really great Star Wars, and I'd highly suggest it if you haven't watched it. No, I have to check that out. Yeah, great, great stuff. And they just caught up to where The Force Awakens is. So something that happens in The Force Awakens happens in the last episode. Really cool stuff. But did you know this? There have been 21 Pokemon animated films with two of them happening outside the continuity of the main series. No, I didn't know that. It, I'm surprised, actually, I'm surprised that, that many stayed within the continuity, so that's a pretty good job on their part. It's very but, true, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I think they, like, intentionally take place outside of the continuity for some reason. I it, wonder if, I mean, there are a couple, I'm only vaguely familiar with some of the later generation Pokemon just through Pokemon Go. Yeah. But I know one of them's kind of like a master of time, so maybe they had, some kind of like alternate timeline stuff. Oh, I didn't know that. Pokemon. Yeah, one, there's one that's like a ghost Pokemon from space, and then there's one that's like a time Pokemon from space. And they, whenever, I guess whenever they're around, they one affects like night and day, and one affects like time and space. And the time and space one, I think, would probably be the likely suspect of changing. And, and I think they're both legendaries, so that would make sense if there were two movies about them that altered some kind of timeline. Yeah, yeah. Huh, that that's really cool. Uh well there's the first three of these movies were released under the Kids WB banner. Specifically the first one, if you remember, they gave out the Mew card to the first like for the first week of seeing it or something like that. Yes, yeah. I yeah. do remember that. And I had one, um, but I it might still be in a binder somewhere, but that was definitely a prized collection for a while. Yeah, I have my binder of Pokemon cards and then Jokemon cards, which were the Nickelodeon magazine version of Pokemon cards. <laughs> and then I also have Ace Ventura when Nature Calls cards, Animaniacs cards, and goosebumps cards in that binder and i did just find my pokemon cards so yeah i have a electrode mew um mewtwo which i still have in like a wrapper oh that's cool oh i actually, don't think i ever the, got one of those the wrappers come kind of coming off of it though um but it says kids wb presents pokemon the first movie and then pan sage this ugly pikachu machamp another mewtwo snorlax but then I have, you know, all the Jokemon cards in here. So that's cool. So those it, probably are worth something. Well, one is just cow. One uh, one is just <laughs> yeah. Cow there's on. there's Zilla. Um, trying to find the other Jokemons. There's well, I have Dark Persian. That's pretty cool. The, oh yeah, I think I have a couple dark ones. Yeah, Hokey Pokey Bird. That's a <laughs> Jokemon. I think I have Dark Coughing, which is kind of cool. Oh, nice. Tauros, Charmander, Dratini, uh, Mankey, Butterfree, Primeape, Regular Persian, Paris, Cuborn. I Gustav think I have Dark Wind. Primeape. Oh, here's a fake one. Rarizard. <laughs> Rarizard. Venonet, Oddish, Spiro, Executor, Ex- Execute. Yeah, yeah. Snorlax. Yeah, and then a bunch of Animaniacs ones, which are really cool. Nice. <laughs> Films? Only three were released under the Kids WB banner. The next 18 films were put out by different companies in America. But Kids WB also released the seventh movie, which was called Destiny Deoxys on TV, and the special, The Mastermind of Mirage Pokemon. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, how many of the Pokemon movies have you seen? Oh, God. Um, prob- let's see. Uh, I'm looking at the list right now, actually. 
One, two, <laughs> two? Uh, the yeah, first two. two. <laughs> yeah, the first two. And I'm sure I've seen bits of the other one, or some some of the other ones. And I know we watched... Did we just rewatch uh, Pokemon 2000, or did we watch a different one? We watched one and two. And did we watch three? I think we may have watched three. Is Pokemon the movie 2000 the one where they go and the world will turn to Ash, and then they realize, oh, they mean Ash Ketchum, which I think was a really cool writing thing they did there. Oh, yeah, because that's what I think Slowking has the prophecy, right? Yeah, that's yeah. that's 2000. That's the Pokemon, okay, yeah. the movie 2000. Yeah, I've definitely seen that one. And then there's... I that's see Blues Pokemon... Brothers, the movie 2000. <laughs> Pokemon Forever has Celebi or Kelebi? I think, I think, I think so. I think I've seen bits of that one. I don't know if I've seen that one all the way through. Mm. But I definitely watched the first two just being a a first-generation Pokemon player, um, and that being what I cared about. I think those are the two movies I most cared about. And I think Pokemon the Movie 2000 takes place during the Orange Leagues of the series. Yeah. So it has that one guy in it instead of Brock, I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously we, on Twitter, if you go to hashtag PokedexFacts, hopefully you'll still find our tweets from when we live-tweeted the first two pokemon films oh yeah those are gold yeah only the first five the 13th 14th and 20th pokemon animated movies were released in theaters in america all others premiering on television mostly cartoon network hmm. now cartoon network and boomerang are owned by warner media obviously and they also have aired a bunch of pokemon before like i said before moving to disney xd which is where it is today. Hmm. Now, that brings us to Legendary, the film studio that is bringing us Detective Pikachu. I said, I'm being a little detective this week, and I'm being a little Detective Pikachu. And I've been trying to figure out what happened with Legendary and Warner Brothers, what happened with Legendary and Universal, and then what happened with the new legendary Warner Brothers after Universal. <laughs> so I think I figured it all out now. Basically, Warner and Legendary had an eight-year deal, and they helped produce the DC Comics films. They ended their deal claiming they, Legendary claiming they wanted to work at a company with theme parks rather than Warner. So huge burn to Warner there. <laughs> so they moved over to Universal, Universal had a multi-year film partnership with Legendary, and then Legendary released a bunch of clunkers under the Universal banner, like Seventh Son with Jeff Bridges, and then Legendary took credit for huge successes like Jurassic World, where Legendary was simply a money partner and didn't have as much creative control as they did in something like Seventh Son. (laughs) So in the Legendary Universal deal, they were able to partner on any movie except the Fast and Furious franchise, the Minions franchise, and the Ted franchise, which was big at the time. <laughs> yeah, and Ted was, is always a surprising hit to me. I mean, it, it made a lot of money. Yeah, but then the second one didn't make that money. So they thought the three huge franchises in their stable were Fast and Furious, Minions, and Ted. And, you know, it's definitely not that anymore. It's still Fast yeah. and Furious. It's and being just Illumination Entertainment in general slash DreamWorks, you know, like those yeah. they have two animation studios now that are cranking out a new Shrek movie soon. And Warner expressed similar problems during their original deal with Legendary, with the CEO of Legendary claiming that he made the Dark Knight when they were more of a financing partner than anything else. Universal had a problem with Kong Skull Island referencing Gareth Edwards's Warner Brothers Godzilla film with the secret organization Monarch being mentioned by name towards the end of the film. So Legendary ended their partnership when Universal was worried about the $125 million Kong Skull Island. So Warner took over with a three-picture deal agreeing to 25% financing and paying for the ads for these next three movies. The three picks in the deal were Kong Skull Island, Godzilla 2, I think it's called Godzilla King of the Monsters, and Godzilla vs. King Kong. 
and the original Universal Legendary deal ended on December 31st, 2018. So that is done now. So now Warner will distribute all of Legendary's films, and neither have an obligation to take stakes in each other's films. So they can just choose to take stakes if they want to, but they don't have to. So it's a, a lot better deal, I think, both of them got. Mm. And during the Kong Skull Island fiasco, Legendary took Detective Pikachu and moved it over to Warner Brothers as they were tired of dealing with Universal. So in a way, they are like punishing Universal. And I think Warner was really thirsty for Detective Pikachu. Yeah, that makes sense. And Legendary is no longer all high and mighty about the only working with somebody with a theme park anymore. Yeah. And Warner does have theme parks. They have three theme parks. They have one in Madrid, in you know, in Spain. They have one in Australia somewhere, and they have one in Dubai. So oh, okay. they do have theme parks. They're just, you know, I think that the Madrid and Australia one used to be owned by Six Flags, and then Warner took over 100% of the both of them after Six Flags wanted out, but. Warner used to own stakes in all the Six Flags in America, and they don't anymore. Yet they still have a partnership because obviously a lot of the rides are named after Warner characters, and a lot of the characters walk around the parks still. So they still have some type of deal, but yeah, it's not the Even same. Even if it's just licensing, yeah. Yeah, but Pikachu and the rest of the Pokemon are now safely under the Warner banner, which is appropriate because truly Pokemon has always been a Warner property in the United States. Yes. So what did you, how did you feel about the trailers? Do you remember your initial uh, take on the first Detective Pikachu trailer? Well, honestly, I've been, I've been worried for a long time about any attempt at a live action Pokemon uh, movie. Yeah. So so luckily for them, my bar was not that high. I Uh, was so afraid of this movie and thought it was the stupidest idea ever. Yeah. Of of every storyline they could come up with, just the detective. I, I didn't really, I didn't play the game that much, and I don't remember. You never played exactly, Detective Pikachu the game. I, I don't remember hearing rave reviews about it, so I just thought, like, wow, you're taking a game that got mixed reviews and hoping you'll have a hit film. But as soon as I saw it, I was pretty impressed, and maybe it was because I had such a low bar. But I thought the first trailer was extremely well done and it was a nice balance but yeah i was impressed on first look and it was really cool to see obviously they stuck more with generation one but you did start seeing other generation of pokemon throughout the first trailer and yeah. they even add in that snubble for like the adjusted first version of the trailer which is nice to see yeah uh and, and, it, and it made sense it it, it Every Pokemon in the trailer, uh, just it feels like it makes sense organically for them to be where they are. So yeah. I was pretty impressed with that attention to detail. And how they look. The the furry looks for the furry Pokemon. The skin yeah. works for the, 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 like the scaly skin Pokemon. Um, obviously, I think the internet had the biggest complaint about Jigglypuff, but what are you going to really do about Jigglypuff? Like, have that fluff of hair on top? Like, you need to figure... Yeah. like like. There's a delicate balance between skin and hair going on there that in the games that I don't know if you can really do in real in real life, quote unquote. Exactly. And I mean, the key to Jigglypuff, that'll be apparent when the movie actually comes out, because uh, obviously there's going to be some kind of performance aspect to his character if they do him well. Yeah. Um, and so that's where you'll find out if they nailed the character or not. Yeah. And Ryan Reynolds, I think, like, again, that was something that's like, really? Yeah, I thought that was terrible, too. And then it turned out to be great. Yeah, I honestly have always liked Ryan Reynolds to a degree. I watched him back in the day on ABC on Two Guys, a Girl in a Pizza Place. He was one of the guys or he was the pizza place. I can't remember. (laughs) Did they go into him and order pizza? Or was he one of the... I can't remember. Was yeah. he the girl? Yeah, something like that. But Nathan Fillion, Nathan Fillion was also on that show. He was he was a third guy, yeah, actually. Oh, he wasn't, he wasn't one of the two main guys? No, no. Ryan was. Rai-Rai, as I called him. Rai-Rai was one of the guys. Since I've known him since his ABC days. No. <laughs> uh, but I remember 
really liking Ryan Reynolds on that show, but thinking he's just doing a Jim Carrey impression, like back in 1997. <laughs> <laughs> just funny how time has evolved with their, both of their celebrity. Like, Oh, yeah. And I really enjoyed... I enjoyed the first Deadpool. I thought the second one was too sporadic. The the jokes, like I thought the the story through line was was there, but I thought the jokes were all over the place. And while the first one had a more focused, was more focused in, and the jokes were more honed in, I feel the second movie, the jokes were, oh, we'll just say this because it's funny. Oh, we'll just say this because it's funny. It's, it's funny, you know. It, yeah. There was a lot more of setup delivery and the rule of three there was a lot of the rule of three in the first one that just didn't exist in the second movie for me uh yeah. it's still enjoyable it was still a very enjoyable film though and I, I think another ryan reynolds movie that i really en- enjoyed was the hitman's bodyguard i don't know if you've seen that no i didn't see that one but that but just ryan ryan reynolds and samuel L. jackson hanging out together i thought was a good time for a movie many ways it's like deadpool and nick fury you know on the road although nick fury would be an assassin killer type because that's what samuel L. jackson plays so it'd be a little different <laughs> they'd kind of be reversed roles actually now that i think about it but yeah yeah, they have they have kind of reversed. Yeah, I just rewatched the trailers just to be up on it. So there's just two, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, there's okay, just two. Cool. And I've only seen the second one in theaters, which was incredible. <laughs> oh yeah, it's really just crazy to me. Uh, Especially the Mewtwo appearance that was pretty shocking. Yeah, 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 and then the second trailer for. Pokemon Detective Pikachu presented by Warner Pictures. I got a much more detective vibe out of that one. And as you were saying earlier, the reveal of Mewtwo was really awesome. Yeah, and uh, it was definitely, I think, more, even more Pikachu heavy. And I think you get a stronger sense of uh, how they're both, how both main characters are playing off each other and what roles they have. And um, I, I was also impressed with that trailer. Uh, yeah. it, it, it was, it's another also good example of how to, you know, do a, a second trailer without giving away too much of the plot. Uh, yeah. Too many marketing campaigns fall into that trap. Definitely. Although I did learn that Pikachu can't fight. He has to like learn how to fight again throughout this movie. Yeah, it does. I was getting a vibe of kind of like the Hulk and what he's going through in some of the recent Marvel movies where. Yeah. Seems like there's something going on where he's just going to have to find that psychological switch to turn back on and yeah, well, find his mojo. Yeah, that that him not turning into the Hulk in Infinity War, I think, was just you know more of just like a silly joke, like you know run on joke throughout the movie. Yeah, where it's like you know obvious this is the one where he doesn't turn into the Hulk, <laughs> and so all the action figures are him and the Hulkbuster instead. I don't know if they actually oh, made yeah. this, but you know, it's just like you know, this is the movie where the Hulk almost did, but he didn't turn into the Hulk. Ha ha! That's 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 <laughs> Infinity War, and then you know, the next one in Endgame, I will obviously we'll see him again as Hulk. Yeah, I also wonder if if he turns into the Hulk, then. They have to pay Universal because Universal had the movie rights to Hulk. They made the Marvel Cinematic Universe Incredible Hulk movie. And that's the reason why they haven't made a Hulk movie since then is because they would have to get Universal involved and they wouldn't want it to. So that's why he's always in other people's films, but he's never in his own movie anymore. You're probably right. And you've, I think you've done more research about it than I have. Um, I, I suspected that they just still haven't quite figured out that uh, character you know, how to do a Hulk standalone because they've already tried twice and it didn't work. Yeah. But they've had, they've had such good success with putting him in other people's movies. And, and it is tough to, when you have a figure that that's, that is that powerful, it's tough to have him not just kind of really blow up any kind of reality or, or any kind of groundedness you're trying to put in some of these films. So maybe that was another idea with infinity war was well if we just have the hulk 
being the Hulk for two straight movies, you know, the stakes aren't going to be quite as large. Yeah, yeah. It's like why they all have slightly different outfits in each movie. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so Pokemon, back to Pokemon. Yes. Pokemon is a Warner Brothers property. Uh, again, those interstitials between episodes, I want to delve more into them because I think they're really funny. And I think they really they really hone in the idea of that Warner Brothers shared universe that the kids WB built. Like you had the Warner the water tower, and then right behind it you had the Pokemon Coliseum. It was just such a cool visual to see those two things together. Did you see Mega Doug Trio? I did, yeah. It's it scared me. I never <laughs> want to look at it again. I mean, just the idea that it's got three heads. I, I was kind of thinking it was still kind of like a three Diglett buddy system, but nope. It's like it's a three headed digger monster, and it's it's creepy as hell. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, it is the Mega Evolution, so maybe it, it Doug Trio still is three Diglets, but then Mega. Doug Trio then combines, combines them. them together underground. I don't know. I think I think they are combined underground Doug Trio, though. I think they are. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately for our nightmares and. Uh, <laughs> uh. You know, now I'm just trying to find these interstitials online so that I can have a frame of reference for Pokemon Stadium. Um, but uh, I can't find them. I'm gonna have to do some homework. Yeah, I think if if you type in. Kids WB Pokemon Bumpers, it should come up. Okay. Yeah, I typed in WB Bumpers. I'm going to have to... Because, yeah, yeah can... I remember these solo uh, Pokemon Bumpers, but I do not remember the ones where they interact with other WB properties. Like, that's cool. Yeah. Kids WB Bumpers Pokemon compilation, but it's only 52 seconds. I don't know if they're going to cross over at all. One of the ones I've seen a lot that always pops up is sylvester from the sylvester tweety mysteries that's why they have sylvester's voice over actor that they can just pay to do these commercials but singing i want to be the very best the best there ever was oh yeah this Uh, definitely has it the 52 second one okay i think i just found it yeah it actually shows like the whole thing i'm gonna put mine on mute we can watch it together nice you got oh you got it Yes. Okay, I'm watching it. But see, like Misty, the top of it opens, and then there's bubbles at one point, and you can see them, and at, there's one where Pikachu shoots the Coliseum and it opens up. Okay, yeah, I, don't, I never saw the ones with the Coliseum. That's awesome. Yeah, and then they have the, they have like a water fountain in the front, yeah. and they so have Vaporeon, Vaporeon freeze it, yeah, and then Charmeleon melts it again. And they have a blimp flying overhead, too. They really put a lot of effort into... Yeah, it's pretty impressive, considering you said they pulled these directly from the anime, so they didn't create new animations for these characters. They just they got the voice actors when they needed them uh, for certain uh, crossovers. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's and, cool. Yeah, so they got the voice of Ash if they needed to get him. I guess I think it's a female that does his voice. <laughs> That makes sense. Yeah, but you know they got they they get the they get the voice actor for Ash or the voice actor for Tweety or Sylvester or even June Foray who played Granny, and they mix them all together. You can yeah. see the background, the actual Pokemon Coliseum. They they computer generated like it's CG that they spent time making. Yeah, is... I, it's it's pretty great. I mean, a lot of work when when those went into the stadium bumper. Right. Um, yeah. And now I'm looking at one that's called Misty and Psyduck Song TV promo for Kids WB's Kooky Carol Fest, nice. and um, Batman's in the background um, while Misty and Psyduck sing something together. That's uh, awesome. So they got yeah. the voice of Misty, and then they got Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, if he's singing in that at all or talking well, he's unfortunately not singing but uh okay. but that batman and then superman are just standing behind her not moving that's so um, funny yeah pretty cool yeah there's there's one interstitial with freakazoid back in the early days of kids wb and he's like what does wb stand for and 
and I think at one point he goes, wet butt. <laughs> it's really wet funny. Butt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what a great 90s kids moment for advertising that you wouldn't do now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I see, uh, let's see, it looks like the Joker and the Penguin and Two-Face all playing cards, but the cards all have Pokemon on it. And then Ash interrupts them all. That's um, really great. Yeah. So they probably got the yeah. voice actor for Ash and Mark Hamill for the Joker. That's crazy. Yes. Oh, yeah. That'd be great if they... I wonder what you would have to pay Mark Hamill to do a Pokemon interstitial, but maybe you could just call that, like, advertising and marketing uh, for your, your show. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I'm, I mean, maybe they do still do some of this kind of stuff now but it's definitely not as much synergy as there used to be not at all and i think there will be again i mean there we won't need interstitials in the wb streaming service or you know boomerang but well maybe you do a little bit you know when you first turn it on you can have a little thing play and when you go into the episode you can have a little thing play you know and you can still have a you can still brand the streaming service with a universe which is what they really did with kids wb they really like built their own little kids wb universe on the warner brothers lot through animaniacs happening to take place on the warner brothers lot like they took that and ran with it yeah that's a genius move yeah even just the wb network you know the all those interstitials took place on the warner lot like all the primetime dramas and comedies too that's cool and speaking of the animaniacs i just found another one where the animaniacs get poke fever and so they're barfing and they're breaking out in little pokeball hives and it's just it's pretty cool pretty imaginative very cool right yeah that's that's the best part and that's what really makes me believe that warner brothers wants pokemon back as a Warner Brothers property, as a Warner Brothers entity intellectual property. I hope so. Yeah. So that's where we're leaving it today. Uh, I know Detective Pikachu is going to hit at the box office. And as people are saying, it's going to be this huge, big golden age. It's going to start the golden age of video game movies. Probably not because then the Sonic movie comes out right afterwards. But if this movie hits, you know, we will get sequels to detective pikachu and warner brothers and nintendo and pokemon and the pokemon company will keep their relationship alive so there's hopes that a donkey kong country movie can get made uh, yeah so that does it for this episode of the at and wb podcast you can find me christopher taylor on twitter at zeitkreist and you can find me alex wilson at Doctor underscore television on Twitter. Yes. Pokemon is a Warner Brothers property. Something else that Nintendo owns will be turned that we love, like Metroid being turned into a feature film. So for that future, I am excited. Or at least we'll, we might get Detective Donkey Kong. That's all, folks. How's Captain Marvel? It was really great. It. It's funny because I feel a lot of people are saying it's formulaic, and I think the reason why some people may not like it is because it's literally the opposite of formulaic. It creates its own formula. Like it is the whole, the movie as a whole, like the structure, it's a completely different structure than any type of movie I've ever seen before. It's really interesting. And I think it would, I think it's confusing to some on the first viewing, but then on a second viewing, I think it would make. A lot more sense since you know where it's going already, you know? Yeah, I was trying to explain to Mary Lauren Captain Marvel's, like, origin stories and how it did. I mean, just from that alone and my basic understanding of it didn't seem like, I mean, it seems like you'd have to think outside the box and you couldn't apply too much of a standard formula to how they're going to handle it just because of how different of a character she is. Yeah, and Um, they really handle it in a different way. Okay. And I think it's really fascinating how they do it. Like, I think some might find certain aspects of what they do a little dull, maybe, because it's not just showing a scene and it's an action scene. And it's fun. It's like it really takes its time, especially at the beginning, to build up what it's trying to accomplish. 
and then shatters all that stuff down like at the end of the second act. It's a really great way of, without saying any spoilers, with specifically talking about the movie. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and people don't like to be preached to either in films, and this does have a very important message. And I think stories are about sending a message and teaching a lesson and this has one in it and i think it's really important i think it's really cool how it's interwoven throughout and i think some men wouldn't even be able to pick up on it honestly <laughs> yeah and, and i was gonna say it's that's sometimes that's almost the best way to do it is to try to slip your messages in without appear appearing heavy-handed or overly preachy especially when you know a large swath of people are going to be against it. So it's like if you can find a way to make it more organic to the character in the story, then it doesn't seem so much like a soapbox anymore. So yeah, yeah it'll be interesting. I'd be interested to see it. Yeah. And I mean, I huge aspect of, you know, being a woman in America is, is how that works. And I think this, you know, plays into that a lot or just being a woman in general and, Obviously, you have to deal with those themes and you have to deal with those aspects of the character always. So it's really interesting how it, I think it's really well done how it's interwoven into the story. And it all rests really on Jude Law's performance. And he gives a really, really good performance. You know, he's a really great actor. He looks great in that suit. So oh, cool. I hope I didn't say too much. I don't think so. No, I mean I'm still I'm still in the dark about a lot. I I didn't even know Jude Law was in it. So I mean that's how. That's <laughs> well, how Keanu Reeves was originally gonna. He was offered Jude Law's character and he turned it down. That's weird because I thought that his whole thing was trying to like slowly work back up to that, but maybe he just was worried like, oh, I don't want another Green Lantern if this is what that's gonna be. Well, but um... I think he wants an even bigger role. Like, I don't uh, even know what Keanu Reeves could play, but... But he uh, wants, like, his Captain Marvel type thing. Like, yeah, he, he wants want to, to be Captain Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. 